Welcome to the eighth episode of the Video Game Mythos Podcast, where we look up, research, and trivialize some of the more profound video game myths that we can find. On today's episode of Video Game Mythos, we're going to take a look at a character who has definitely followed through and was able to survive some major adversity kind of against all odds that this person were to survive the first release of this franchise. But more so amazing than his ability to survive is the fact that some of these myths can go unnoticed through the average playthrough. The character of choice today is named Isaac Clark. Welcome to Dead Space. Are crickets in space? Yes, they are. Isaac Clark was a systems engineer, working for the Concordance Extraction Corporation. He is the main protagonist in the Dead Space franchise. Now, if you're not familiar with the general gist of Dead Space, let me just give you the foundation, the ground floor of what Dead Space is about, and that way you can maybe begin to grasp the magnitude of the situation. So, the year is like 2504, but, you know, just above 2500. Earth has ran out of all resources. We got nothing. So basically, humanity makes these huge ships, right? Big mother effing ships. We go out into space and we gather a crap ton of resources from other planets. And the way that we do this is kind of cool. Like the visual that they have in the game is pretty, pretty cool how they do it. So this huge ship giant right it comes and it just grabs a whole bunch of soil like if there's a coal whole bunch of coal deposits underground they just grab all of it and so this it's like huge ships they grab large chunks of ground like huge square miles of ground that they just grab and bring back it's pretty neat well it's uh, a little bit misleading because that's what we have to do we have to go and we have to scavenge other planets with our ships um but something happens so one of the ships called the Ashimura, it went to this certain planet that was kind of off limits. No one was allowed to go there. And uh, we, we don't, no one really knows why. So, um, but they do, they go there. All of a sudden, they stop receiving communications from this ship. So who do they send? They send Isaac Clark. And basically, he's an engineer. He goes and he's the badass. He's wearing a really cool suit. He's going to save the day. Um, or so he thinks. <laughs> so he gets to this ship and he discovers through the logs that are on this ship. And you got to imagine, if this ship is there to gather square miles worth of dirt, worth of terrain, worth of minerals, the ship's freaking huge. Okay? Like, you cannot explore it in a day. There are hundreds, possibly even thousands of people working aboard these large vessels. So there, you know, there's a big infrastructure. There's a huge hierarchy behind what people do, what their jobs are, how they do their jobs, their accountability for doing their jobs. So you're bound to have a bunch of logs, a bunch of data, a bunch of recordings or some sort of information resource that a random person like Isaac Clark might be able to use to figure out what happened in the past aboard this ship. So that's how the game presents itself to you and the story on which the foundation of that game is built. But what Isaac Clark doesn't realize is that this ship is here for a reason. 
There is something on the surface of this planet that the Ashamora was sent here to investigate. It is a a little bit of a mysterious oddity. It's it's kind of like a relic. They call them markers. And markers are these objects that are kind of imbued with a power. And it was originally believed that these markers would contain the secret to immortality. The immortality was... <laughs> was not what they got. What they actually got was this kind of like this rabid disease that once you would die, your, your body would reanimate and you would turn into this crazy, crazy thing that would just start going nuts. You would hit your head against the wall. You, you wouldn't bleed out. You were like dead already, you know. But these things became a bit of an abomination. They, they're actually called necromorphs. And I really like names that are like square on the head like that. Like necro is a prefix that means death and morphs is a suffix that means morphs to freaking change. So you weren't just this little zombie person that you are now. You're not like, hey, Bob the zombie. No, like your jaw would like dehinge and grow like five times in size and your right shoulder for some reason would blow up like a hot air balloon on Christmas Eve. If hot air balloons do that on Christmas Eve. But you weren't you. You were bigger and and crazier looking. And oh, did I mention bloody? Yeah, they bleed. I'm not sure why. Like sometimes their rib cages would invert or at least appear to. Maybe it's because they stopped eating. Not sure. But just know that they're scary and they move very fast. Oh, and the ship doesn't have any lights. So there's your recipe for horror. I believe it was psychologically determined. This is a real study, by the way, not a video game myth. But it was determined that, like, that's one darkness and being stranded are, like, two of the primary, like, six ingredients that can conjure human fear. So, really, they've already hit the nail on the head with just the basic premise of the game. But let's let's get back to Isaac. He's a cool dude. Not cool enough. He dies. The end. Whoops, wait, sorry. I'm not going to leave you hanging like that. Let's uh, let's get back to it. So Isaac Clark ended up getting a really good degree from a really shitty college as like a mechanical and electrical engineering. At some unreally, unreally unspecified time, he actually worked aboard the Ishimura. And at the time, he was living with uh, someone named Nicole Brennan, which is like his love, his his soulmate and you know to try to be closer with one another uh, Isaac mentioned to Nicole that she should get a position on board the Ishimura so they they did she did get a position above the Ishimura like two years before the blackout and you know um, Isaac was actually promoted and wasn't aboard the Ishimura during the event so because there was a blackout communication from the ship that now his loved one was on That's kind of where he comes into needing to go to this ship to investigate why there was a communication blackout. And that also kind of gives the character a little bit of 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 personal motivation to do this job. You know, he's not just there because he's being told to. He's there because he's being told to. And the love of his life was last seen aboard this ship at around the planet that has this object that makes things come back to life and, you know, kill other things to to come back to life to kill other things. 
And the reason that I'm telling you this now is part of the, I don't want to say that it's the unpopular opinion because I don't think anyone else has had this opinion. And if they have, I haven't found it except for one little hint. And this hint came from in-game. This is part of the canon lore of Dead Space. And it is up to kind of the player to explore the voice logs. If you haven't explored voice logs in Dead Space, you likely have never heard of the little hint they've thrown in there that makes this potentially canon lore. Now, we might find out in a later Dead Space as confirmation as to whether or not this is true. But here is the myth. And this is why I told you about Nicole and why I had to make the premise for Isaac, you know, and why he came there. So in Dead Space 1, there was an event where Isaac was kind of brought to the brink of death and he hallucinated and he saw Nicole and he saw Nicole kill herself. So spoiler alert, Nicole was already dead. And this vision that he saw was something that the marker had done to him. When the marker like marks you and you get this disease, things happen like you're psychologically and physically affected by it. And okay, so back to that voice recording that I mentioned, this voice recording itself spoke about it was it was it was on the premise of an engineer or some lab tech that was told by a supervisor to do his job. Well, while his supervisor's back was turned, this lab tech decided to make a voice log recording of his beliefs about what the marker is, about what the marker does, and about the true meaning behind what the marker is for and why we should have avoided it the whole time. He says that his belief isn't that the marker is some object with a power. He believes that that power is an alien race and that alien race is trying to influence or trying to make us create more markers that ultimately end up in more necromorphs. So he thinks that this alien presence is kind of like the consciousness behind the necromorphs. It is the disease. It is the alien parasite that is trying to just reproduce through its natural means. But now we've learned about these markers. They're recreating these markers in like a lesser powerful version but it still has that effect. So in this voice recording, he basically talks about how they are aliens and about how they are conscious and how we need to destroy every shred of evidence, wipe all the tapes, blow up the ship, make sure no one ever comes back here again. And this lab tech, of course, he's trying to hide this from his supervisor. So at the end of this very brief recording, he like, he mentions, oh, I see my supervisor eyeballing me. I got to go. And then the tape ends abruptly. So there you have it. I mean, I would call that hardball evidence to this theory, but the theory is that exactly. And it goes a little deeper than that. And here's where Isaac comes in. So Isaac saw his love. He saw Nicole. Now, why did he see Nicole? What about this infection is relating to human consciousness? Is, is this trying to sh motivate a human consciousness to do something? Is this just another twisted level of manipulation that the markers are capable of, of just this puppeteering humanity into doing their bidding to allow humans to not only become necromorphs, but to make humans create more markers that spread to other planets that allow those humans to become necromorphs? 
And if the humans don't do it because they're told to, then they can be forced into doing it because you'll see a loved one die or some other level of emotional or psychological manipulation that these markers are capable of. Ultimately, this premise, this theory of the markers being an alien or being created or placed there by an alien race that allows their race to spread or to reproduce. If you look at all of the facts, it just doesn't make sense that it could be anything else because we currently don't know what the markers were there for. We currently don't know how the markers got there, really who put them there, but it makes sense, man. It just makes sense. And I think that's where it's going to be interesting because in a sequel, you know, they could come out and introduce some ancient alien race that placed the markers there and, oh, hey, there's markers everywhere. And now we got to fight them. Uh, If you if you can't tell, like, I really do believe that that that's kind of what's happening here. And I know what you're thinking, but dude, that's like your opinion, man. And that's what it all comes down to is opinions. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, although unlike your asshole, you should be constantly and thoroughly examining your opinion. Speaking of opinions, throughout the Dead Space game itself, apparently to some, it wasn't exactly obvious that Nicole was already dead. So they have a little Easter egg, something that is kind of hidden in the game, as Easter eggs are. Um, The chapters. If you look at chapter 1 through chapter 12, listed out in order, you would actually see that the first letter of each chapter name spells out a hidden code. And that code spells, Nicole is dead. Whoa. Pretty cool way to implement a fact that probably could have been assessed otherwise. I thought she was dead the whole time. I actually assumed it. But hey, I guess it's good to get some confirmation. Thank you, Internet Mythers, for that factoid. This is the real ending. I'm so sorry to play such dirty tricks on you in this episode of Video Game Mythos, but hey, you didn't give me a treat, so I gave you a trick. Actually, not really. You all have given me plenty of treats, and I appreciate that's about yous. I want to take a second to give an honorable mention shout out. This honorable mention pick not only came from a fan, but it came from the biggest video game mythos fan there is. And not only a fan, but my man friend Jedediah Flesher. He suggested that we cover the Horde from Destiny. Now, it is an amazing suggestion. The Horde has a lot to go on for not only its lore, but also the story behind how they became one of the top contending races in the Destiny universe. The shout out goes to you because I love you and I think that you're an amazing contribution to the society of the planet Earth and your ideas. I like them. I love them. And I want some more of them. I want to wish everyone a happy Halloween. Make sure you're responsible. Remember that fear is only good in moderation. If you get too scared at one time, then you'll die because you'll have a heart attack. Don't do that. We need you around to listen to our next nitty gritty episode of Video Game Mythos.